0: Greetings, initiates, and welcome back to another lesson of the Codex. This is your instructor, Marquides, as well as our fellow, my fellow instructor, Josue Cardona. And today, we are going to be covering the second half of Assassin's Creed 2. And this time, I'm going to let Josue here take control of the recap and talk about Venice all the way to Minerva. So Josue, she's all yours.
1: You called me an instructor this time. I thought I was like an apprentice.
0: You're an okay. apprentice instructor, but it's all right.
1: Okay, all right, all right. Thank you. So uh, we're picking up on Ezio's story. We left off. Uh, we're in Florence, and last time you alluded that we were going to be going to Florence uh, to Venice, and that's what we're going to talk about now. So uh, teach. You know, let me know if I if I miss anything. <laughs> Just stop me at any moment. Will do. All right. So after. The, the, the stuff that went down in Florence, we go to Venice to follow Rodrigo, right? So we're following him and, uh, but we, we, again, we find him and we battle him and it's really hard. And then all our friends come and help us and we take him down by our friends. I mean, all of the characters that have helped us along the way in the game so far. So some of those include, I don't remember their names. So help me out.
0: We have Mario, your uncle. Mm-hmm. You have Paola, the Corazon, the Coruscant leader of, was it? Florence. Mm-hmm. We have La Volpe, also from Florence.
1: Yep. Then you have... Oh, Niccolò Machiavelli, right?
0: Yes, he appears. Yeah. In, I don't think he's actually in the fighting, but he does appear. Yeah. Uh, then you have Antonio, that is the leader of the Thieves Guild in in Venice that you befriend while you're in Venice and taking out the other Templars there. Mm -hmm. Uh, You also have Bartolomeo, who's the leader of the mercenaries Mm -hmm. in Venice. And then you have the leader of the Corazons in in Venice, which I
1: cannot remember her name. And uh, all your friends except Leonardo da Vinci. He's not here this time. (laughs) Uh, But uh, after you take down Rodrigo, you discover, they all let you know, That the reason why they're all there at the same time is because they are all assassins as well. They are members of the Brotherhood. (gasps) That part is so cool, by the way. That is so exciting when that happens. And uh, a big thing that's happening is that uh, Rodrigo thinks that he is this prophet Right in uh, that's going to access this thing called the vault, but all of your friends tell you that actually they believe you are the prophet Ezio. You know, it's not it's not him, and we're all here to help you. And this is the moment where he's like officially brought into the Assassin Brotherhood. It's his what do what do we call that? It's not yeah. his initiation. Is it his initiation? It's like the whole. It's like the whole game up to now has been his, his initiation. It's like Induction? Well, yeah, that, that works. Yeah, yeah. It's like he's finally inducted into the order. And uh, then, after that, we, we kind of leave the animus for a second and we find out that a lot of the stuff is corrupted in the files. So this is our way of jumping forward in time. So when we revisit Ezio, we're actually way into the future how many years are we into the future at this point it's only like a couple of years um yeah well
0: i'll let you finish the main game stuff and then i will uh cover the sort of dlc and extra stuff that because that like little time gap is covered in the dlc
1: you're right. You're right. But you're right.
0: We'll, we'll we'll go ahead and finish the main game stuff, and I'll come back and, and cover those parts. But
1: right, I mentioned some of that in, in a previous episode. But yeah, so so basically, uh, we jump forward a few years, and at this point, Rodrigo has become the Pope. He's become Pope Alexander the Sixth, I believe, and he. Uh, we find out that the papal staff is actually one of the pieces of Eden, and. Rodrigo thinks that he can use this to open up the vault. We discover that the vault is actually under the Vatican. So Ezio goes to the Vatican to confront Rodrigo and to, you know, try to stop him from accessing this vault. Am I doing good so far? Yeah, you're doing pretty good. All right. So then we, we have like a few things happen and then we, we actually confront, uh, Rodrigo and he uses the power of the staff to, to fight us. But we, we end up defeating him. And now I forgot where the apple came from. Where was the apple? Was the apple already there? Or did we have the apple?
0: Yeah, you had the apple. Because we had the that's, apple already. That's, how, that's the whole reason why you end up fighting Rodrigo in Venice in the first place. And where all your friends come. Because they, uh, Rodrigo sent men to Cyprus to get the apple. And when right, they brought right. it back, Rod, uh, Ezio infiltrated, posed as one of their guards. And tried to fight Rodrigo. And then Rodrigo fled when everybody, you know, overpowered his guards and he fled. And that's when Ezio had gained control of the Apple.
1: Right. So now in the same place, we have the Apple and the papal staff. Uh, Rodrigo is defeated, but uh, instead of killing him, Ezio says that he's killed enough people already. Which, side note, I I did not like that. I think, you know, why him of of all these people? Uh, I don't know. That's just my opinion. So then, when Ezio holds the apple in one hand, the papal staff in the other, the vault responds and opens up for him. And then he enters the vault, which we had no idea what it what it was, right? Again, there's this prophecy, all this stuff. Um, but it turns out that he he apparently was the prophet because it opened up for him. And when you enter, there's like there's nothing there, and then something turns on, and we see what looks like a hologram, right? And this being, this holographic being, begins to talk to us, begins to talk to to Ezio. And she says that her name is Minerva. And she begins to explain a whole bunch of really cool stuff. (laughs) She talks about the fact that she is a part of an ancient race that existed before the humans. And that they created the humans as kind of a slave labor workforce. But eventually the humans revolted. And there was a big war. And then this uh like cataclysmic event happened. My understanding is that it was like a solar flare. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. It was right. So it's a solar flare that messed up the earth and wiped out a lot of her race, which I believe she refers to as a precursors at this point. Right?
0: Yes. Does she? Yeah, she just says like I no, I don't even think she calls them. I don't even think she calls herself a precursor. I just think she just says we're the ones who came before.
1: The ones who came before, right? Yeah. And then, uh, so a lot of humans, a lot of the 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 ones who came before were destroyed, and they had to rebuild to eventually, you know, so, so that so that the 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 world could survive, so that life could survive on Earth. And then she says something like, "This is going to happen again, and you need to be prepared." And then she's she's talking to Ezio, and Ezio's trying to respond, and she says something like, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to him. And then that's when we realize that Minerva is there talking to Ezio to talk to Desmond in the present and not Ezio. Ezio seems a little bit confused. And she is relaying this message because what needs to be done would be, you know, again, in this present time. So again, she knew that Desmond would be tapping in to Ezio's memories, and that's how she knew that she could get a message to Desmond and, and his allies, which is so cool, which is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, basically, I, I I think Desmond is like, what the fuck? And then... And then we go to the present day stuff, which we already talked about, which is the the infiltration of the base and Vidic getting away and um, Lucy and, and the rest of the assassins getting everything together to move to another location. I think that's it. That's the end of the game. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 You pretty much you you did it better than I did because you did it in less time. <laughs> <laughs> I probably wouldn't be done if I tried to explain everything.
1: Just trying to hit those important notes. Oh, and again, like just oh, the stuff with Minerva. That, that that scene is so, so, so cool.
0: Yeah, all right. Well, let me get into the the, the couple of bits of DLC stuff and then we'll, we'll go right into that. We'll go right into Minerva go and go Pieces it. of Eden and all that stuff. So, to kind of backtrack it a little bit to those corrupted sequences that are in the main base game. Those are sequen- sequences, sequences 12 and 13. Now, later on, they become DLC and... It, Covers uh, the siege of Forli and the bonfire of the vanities, which was if for those who know history, that's when Savonarola came to power in Florence. So after Ezio retrieves the apple, he goes to Forli as a way to keep it protected because he thinks that Caterina could keep it well defended, but of course. There's something going on. I, there's these two brothers that are hired by the Borgia to kind of cause trouble. And they end up kidnapping Katerina's children. Now, in the process of Ezio saving the children, uh, the, uh, the brothers themselves, Ezio eliminates. But uh, during this whole onslaught and raid of Forli, Ezio gets hit by a blast. or He's in, caught up in a blast and uh, he ends up dropping the apple. Now, after he drops the apple, there's a weird hooded monk that comes by and grabs the apple. And as Ezio's sort of recovering, uh, he's like, no, stop, don't touch that. But of course, he ends up passing out from the pain. So then he wakes up later and Katerina says, you know, oh, my God, thank God you're alive. But I'm sorry, you know, we lost the apple. And at this point in time, uh, as before he leaves to go back to, to Florence, uh, Katarina hands Ezio a map saying, oh, this was my husband's uh, that he was going to give to the Borgia, but this map will tell you where the rest of the Codex pages are. Because when you get to the, the last sequence or, or before you fight Rodrigo, uh, Rebecca states to you that at some point Ezio had uh, obtained a map. So that's how like you can get the rest of the Codex pages uh, if you don't collect them all uh, up until that point. Uh, but that's besides the point. So after that, he discovers that it was Savonarola that was the one that took the apple and went back to, to Florence and gained control. And at this point, this is when the bonfire, the vanities happen. So Ezio has to start a riot amongst the people to kind of try to overthrow Savonarola in order to get the apple back. And that's exactly what he does. And at this point, he's, he's there bearing witness to the burning of Savonarola. And Ezio thinks that it's very cruel and inhumane. So he goes and he puts Savonarola out of his misery before he can be burned alive. And at that point, Ezio gives this very grandeur speech about um, how, you know, we need to exercise our own free will. We need to choose our own path if we just sit there and blindly follow you know, those who try to rule us, you know, it's going to lead to our downfall that only we can be our own shepherds. And that, you know, if it wasn't for the help of a few strangers, you know, I wouldn't be here because I was just like you guys at some point. So go off, be your own people. Don't follow me or anybody else. Be yourself, essentially, which is really cool. And at that point, then, uh, with Ezio having fully recovered the Apple, he heads back to Monteriggioni, and that's where you pick up with Sequence 14 and doing all the stuff with the Codex. Now, another quick, quick, quick little side thing that I'm not, I'm not sure a lot of people might know about is that along with the DLC, you actually unlocked, unlock what's called the Auditory Crypt. It's one of those hidden things you can access while you're upgrading Monteriggioni. Now... There really is nothing too special, other than more lore, and it's really just the story of Ezio's great uh, great grandfather, and how he got inducted into uh, the Order of Assassins, and how he had, his their real name isn't actually Auditore, and it was something else. But upon uh, immigrating to Italy and becoming an assassin, he donned the name Auditore. And it's just really cool little lore building stuff. It's fantastic. If you didn't know about it, now you know about it. Upgrade the well and go down there. It's fun stuff. <laughs> all right. Now with that out of the way.
1: But I do want to mention one thing. Uh, nope. In one of those DLCs when he gives that speech is when he says, so many years have passed since my parents were killed or since my father was killed here and, and all that stuff. And and I, I double checked. And when his parents were killed is in 1477 and when we enter the vault after defeating the pope it's 1499 so in this game 22 years pass from the beginning to the end so when he starts he's about 17 and he's 39 or 40 when the game is over and you can kind of tell like at the beginning he looks super young and later on he 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 looks a little older he's got that 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 amazing beard
0: god it's like the envy of me right now like i, I want that beard <laughs> and that voice honestly his voice is so deep by the end of the game it's just
1: ah oh. <laughs> and but i don't know there was some confusion about how many years had passed but it seems to be 22 years
0: yeah yeah that's on that, that, sound, that well, you did the research, so technically forty
1: because we see him as a baby. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's besides the point. All right. For Desmond, so now, it
1: was just like an afternoon.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, more or less. All right. So now that we have the entire game covered, let's talk about the three pretty much key characters of this second half, which is Ezio, Rodrigo, and Minerva. So for starters, let's talk about let's talk about Ezio and his development over over the second half. So with Desmond, or not, I'm sorry, with Ezio, uh, you know, after you, we get into Venice, you know, he has more names and he's trying to track down these people. And at this point, it's all just it's still about that vengeance, but at this point now, it's turning into something more of uh, just doing what's right. And as the game so, as the game progresses, as you continue to learn new skills, um, and there's at some at one point after murdering uh, a couple of Templars, I can't remember their names. Their names are escaping me. Um, but he's soft sitting on a bench on his birthday, and that's when Rosa, who is one of the thieves that uh, he meets along the way, she comes by with this manuscript about. Uh, for the ship log for the ship that sails to Cyprus that I mentioned earlier and at this point Rosa asked him like oh what's wrong why are you feeling why are you looking so down if today's your birthday and he said you know you know so many years ago my brothers and my father were killed and you know I'm still nowhere close to avenging their deaths you know it's just it's very hard on him and, and knowing that all this time has passed, and it seems so long ago, but at the same time, it's still with him. And he's still carrying that that grief and that burden. But it's after he gets the manuscript, and he meets with Leonardo, and Leonardo continues to talk to him about some of the Codex stuff. This is when Ezio learns more and re- fully realizes the true nature of his father's work about finding this vault, Discovering who this prophet is and ensuring that whatever it is that is within that vault does not fall into the Templar hands. Now, after he fights Rodrigo for the apple, uh, when he asks why everybody's there, you know, he's saying, you know, listen, I only came here to fight Rodrigo. But, you know, look, your prophet didn't show up. And that's when everybody says no, but you did. And then this is when he starts realizing, oh, shit, I'm the prophet, I guess. And that's how he gets inducted into the order. And he fully takes on that responsibility after receiving all that secret training from all these different people that um, have been helping him throughout the tracking down all of his targets and finally narrowing it down to Rodrigo.
1: So did he know, is this when he discovers that his father was an assassin or did he learn that before?
0: Oh, he learned. Yeah, no, he learned that really well before. Really early on, right? Yeah. yeah his uncle told him, right? Yeah. Well, during the yeah. training segments, that's when uh, you get little sound bites and that's when they yeah. have like a conversation. That's when he finds out, but he yeah. agrees to take on this work, but it's really just to avenge his family. It's only at this point, does that switch from, not only does it involve avenging his family, but now it's for the greater good of mankind because now he sees what they're all about and he knows just how wrong it is and how important it is for us humans to have free will, to be have the ability to make our own choices.
1: Yeah.
0: And this really shows in the final battle when he's fighting Rodrigo right before they have the staff and the Apple basically fighting one another when you jump down to kill him Ezio says you know I thought I was above this but I'm not and that's when he says his his signature line in and then goes to kill him and that's when Rodrigo f- uses the staff and fights back but then after round two when it's just a fist fight you know and he gets rodrigo to realize and admit that he's not the prophet and rodrigo says just kill me that's what etzio fin- finally stakes a stand and is like no killing you is not gonna bring my family back yeah. we're done here so just rest and he says rest in peace because he knows that i've defeated you there's no way you're gonna win just give up and i'm gonna let you live as an act of mercy to show that you know he's not above, he's not at that level of killing just for the sake of vengeance. He's doing this because he thinks it's the right thing to do. Which is it? I don't know. We'll find out in the next game. Uh
1: oh, foreshadowing.
0: Exactly. All right. So that's and and this is where we see Ezio's character start and really, I'm This is where you see Ezio's character. Uh, really, end at this in this game, and you really take a look at the whole uh, ask the the whole timeline of what's going on here. Like like you said earlier, we see Ezio r- for real when he's seventeen years old and he's just a rambunctious teenager just trying to live life to the fullest. And after a series of unfortunate circumstances, you see you know twenty plus years of of time ta- of experience of battle of you know, all these things that he's done shape him into the man that he is at the end of the game.
1: Yeah. And also the thing that happens when he sees Minerva and she's not talking to him, like that couldn't have possibly made any sense to him in in terms of knowing that a descendant of his was going to get that message instead of him. Like, but we don't see anything after that moment. So we don't know... If this affected him at all, if the knowledge of that civilization, how it affected him, I'm, I'm assuming it did in some way. But we don't see that. Not in this game.
0: Not yet, but yeah. we will at some point.
1: Well, yeah, but we're talking about just this game.
0: You're right, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so now, now that we've covered Ezio, let's move on to the Templar side of things and cover Rodrigo. Mm-hmm. So before I kind of kind of dive into Rodrigo a little bit, uh, I want to let you kind of cover, Rodrigo, anything that you want to say about him other than he is a giant turd.
1: That's pretty much what I was going to say. Not even, he's like <laughs> unmemorable for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> even though he's like the main antagonist of this entire game, the complete nah. criminal mastermind behind everything, and he's not even worth a mention to you? all right okay all right i see you just want to go and talk about minerva it's fine i'll cover the humans (laughs) all right so rodrigo like i said he's the leader of the italian templars the one behind everything against Ezio and his entire family really trying to get rid of all the auditories but obviously failing in that regard so he, his whole obsession is the idea that he is the prophet and he is the one that is going to be granted access to this vault. He believes that it is God himself that dwells within this vault. And, by doing, and, and in order to gain access to this vault, he has to play the part of something that he has absolutely no belief in, and that is, you know, Christianity. So... Throughout this entire game, he keeps saying how he has to return to Rome because he has important business. That important business is him working his way up to becoming the next Pope so that way he can have access to the papal staff and the Vatican. So now he'll have complete and total access. All he just needs is the apple. So at the end of the game, when Ezio goes, you know, he brings the apple to him. And after playing a couple dirty tricks, and obtaining the apple, he tries to access the vault, but he's unable to because he's not the prophet. And it's this—it becomes this whole, this whole ten—it's whole character. Really, is just the idea that he is the prophet; that it's his destiny. And Ezio's the one to tell him, "No, it's not." And that more or less breaks him in the end. But again, at that point, that's what Ezio realizes. All right, well your whole your whole character, your whole person is completely shattered by this one simple fact that there's no use in really killing you, so I'm going to let you live. Keep being the Pope. Do whatever you want, just, you know, take a chill pill, essentially. And that's, I mean, I guess that's really all I need to say about Rodrigo. It's just that he's a piece of turd.
1: And after this encounter, he's sad, Rodrigo.
0: Exactly. He's sad boy. He's sad boy, Rodrigo. All right, you can have all the time you want to talk about Minerva and the ones who came before.
1: Well, I mean, I, w- what more can I say from what I said before? She, it, it's not a very long sequence. At this moment in time, we don't know a lot about her or or them. Was, what was I missing from the information that she provided?
0: I mean, you can talk about how that humans were their creation how you? I said we that.
1: were. I said that.
0: N- no, uh, did you?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. I said. Wow, that they my memory is even shorter than I thought. Yep. I said that the, the humans were created as a slave, uh, workforce. Yep. Hmm. Slave labor. Yep.
0: Well, we can talk about how just Minerva's presence in and of itself completely opens this, up this game and this series to so much more now because now you've added a completely new layer. And added so much more depth in just a quick five minute sequence cutscene, really, where she explains all of these things and and you know just saying to Ezio that I'm not talking to you but through you. Yeah, and that it's
1: funny because uh, so he's the prophet, but up until that moment, that doesn't even make sense. But then it's like, oh yeah, you are going to be our messenger. You will send the message to Desmond six hundred years later, and like that's freaking cool. Again, I think it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, and again, it seems to be a, it seems to be a recording, right? I don't think she's engaging with him really, or does she? I think maybe she does because he's, because I know Ezio is so confused about the way she's speaking to him. And then she looks away and she looks at us like it's not just a message from hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years ago from Minerva to Ezio at 1499. But then also to Desmond in 2000 something and then like at us, right? Like we're supposed to be Desmond in that moment and she looks right at us. to to make sure that we're getting the message oh so cool but again so she she talks about the fact that there were you know a civilization that existed before they were i don't remember the exact words but she she implies that they were superior you know that they they were great and then that event happened and it was you know they suffered a lot of people died and now she's trying to get that message across so that it won't happen again. It's like kind of preparing the, the future from, from repeating or from being unprepared, I guess, for what's coming.
0: No, I think, I think cause she knows that history will repeat itself. And so she's trying to prevent a repeat of what happened to her, uh, to their civilization, because despite that, you know, she stated how, you know, it was nearly the end of everything, but, but not for us because you know, they built us to survive and that's what we did. We survived and we ended up flourishing over their diminished numbers because of this, um, immense, uh, catastrophic event. Mm -hmm. And at this point, yes, like, you know, she's saying, you know, the message is done, it's been delivered and that's all we can do now, you know, we're, you know, at the very end, she's like, the message has been delivered <clears throat> there's nothing more here uh we are gone now from this world and the rest is up to you desmond yeah and <laughs> this is when this is when etzio is like really confused and he's just like well, but wait who's desmond yeah. like who are you like what are you talking about and then she
1: just disappears yep oh man <laughs> <laughs> so cool
0: so i i you know we can't really talk about the ones who came before without talking about their their creations, their their machines, and of course, like the, the two main things of this game that you're kind of pining after, which is the Apple of Eden and the Papal Staff. So let's get into the pieces of Eden here. Oh snap! So first, we'll talk about the the head honcho itself, the Apple of Eden here. So they call it the Apple of Eden because it, it's it's. Uh, artifact that's supposed to provide the user or the wielder with immense knowledge mm-hmm. which can also be tied back to Adam and Eve with eating the f- the forbidden fruit which we'll talk about that in a little bit but uh, this is the whole point and and in order to access the vault the apple needs to be combined with the papal staff which acts as like the key but it's an incomplete key so the key has two parts got to go together and then that's how you gain access to the vault that's underneath the Vatican which I'm assuming is why uh the Vatican was built in the first place was to keep the papal staff close by the vault but then having the apple part be sent off away so that way uh it cannot be brought together to so that way people can't access this vault
1: Well, uh, well, that's a
0: that's a that's a theory. That's just a a personal thought because obviously at this point the Vatican is very well established. It's already fully constructed. So I'm my that's like a, a little thought of mine was that at some point in the past people who had knowledge of this other assassins or Templars. I'm assuming it would be Templars because it's all about religion and they're trying to twist religion for their own personal benefit to keep the people docile
1: yeah, no. It, like- it makes complete sense to build the Vatican on top of the vault, and it makes sense that they've uh, that they're trying to get those pieces to get in there. Like somehow they've deciphered the prophecy and they know what needs to happen. They're trying to bring these two pieces together. Uh, if they, well, I mean, you know, the, the pieces have been around, but like making the other piece of Eden the papal staff, like that's not the original name the the ones who came before did not make it as the walking stick of the pope it just <laughs> seems very arrogant of the templars to use it uh like to just have, be so flashy with it right and who knows what other abilities it, it can convey the user uh because the pieces of eating like they can they're, they're powerful uh devices but there's like it was we were using it, right? Now, that's assuming that the Catholic Church was always a Templar front, right? It, maybe it wasn't at some point, maybe, but I'm assuming it is because I'm, I'm with you. It makes a lot of sense to build the Vatican on top of it to kind of always be close by it, protect it, and control access to it.
0: Yeah, and to kind of add some to, some fuel to that that theory here, think about it the the name of the templars stemmed from the retaking of the holy land correct the knights templar themselves were created as a soldier force to retake the holy land and we we saw a bit of that in assassin's creed one now the the Tem- the knights templar are the knights of christianity now christianity now at this point it was just catholicism so, I mean, at this point, it was really just Christianity, but, you know, it eventually Catholicism. Um, and who's the one in charge of that?
1: Who yeah, do you yeah. think
0: would be the head honcho, the one who holds the staff that can use the staff to control all of these people, to listen to them? Because they hold the highest rank amongst all followers of Jesus. Yeah you know it it makes Makes it makes it makes so much sense that the templars would be the one to build the vatican now obviously this this is all just conspiracy talk this is this is not confirmed in the games not discussed in the games but it it makes a lot of sense yeah and it's because nobody knows that this papal staff is actually just a staff of eden that uh you know no one would ever be aware that it's used to control these people to openly listen and obey whatever the Pope has to say. Yep. You know, it it just makes a lot of sense, at least at the creation of the Vatican and and the creation of the Pope. Now, at this point, I don't think every single Pope uh, has been, you know, the leader of the Templars. I just think that at this point in time, Rodrigo, who happened to be the leader of the underground Templars, gained control as the Pope, and now mm, the step.
1: I, I don't know. I think. Hmm. Ah,
0: I guess. Because at this, because you think about it, even beforehand, um, Rodrigo was always the leader.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was wasn't always, taking orders from the Pope before him. But I, I still feel like the Pope was maybe a pawn. You know, of the he, yeah. He was. He was yeah.
0: essentially using the Pope as a pawn until he himself became the Pope. Yeah but that, yeah, he just was like playing... politics.
1: Yeah. The person up top isn't always a person in charge.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I th- I, mean, I think that's really all I can really say about the pieces of Eden, because I mean, we're introduced to them here. Well, there's a little from... more
1: when, as we continue though, though I'll mention them one more time, but, uh,
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's that, but I mean, that's what we're going to be going into now, which yeah, is, yeah, yeah. uh, subject 16. Yep. Uh, um, Throughout the course of the game, you come across these glyphs that are hidden throughout certain landmarks across all the cities. So, and- again,
1: so this, this is pretty cool because in the context of the game, what's happened is that Subject 16, who was, you know, the one before Desmond, Desmond is 17, uh, he, like, hacked the Animus and wrote these glyphs on top of the memories, Right.
0: Uh, he, imp- he he implemented these files.
1: Exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. And We're then... saying the same thing.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? So it's, like, it's like because the the original memory uh, from the DNA does not include this information. This is something that Subject 16 added to it. And when they took the information from the Animus at Abstergo and they set it up oh, at the other place, that information came with it. And so as you're replaying Ezio's memory you you see these mes- these glyphs that subject 16 left behind
0: yeah and with each of these glyphs they are quote unquote encoded by these strings of puzzles that you have to solve and by every single puzzle and with every single puzzle that you solve you kind of get a little snippet of Different portions of history and how they play a part within the Assassin Templar conflict, and after you go through all these puzzles and you unlock these like little, like I don't I want to say maybe a second clip, uh of a, of video. a video, yeah. Uh, once you know you have to solve twenty of them, and once you successfully decode and gain access to all twenty, then it plays this giant clip for you, yes, and this clip. Is where I talked, you know, when I talked out in the, like the very beginning of this of this series about how we're, it's really tied into religion and Christianity. This part right here is one of the big points about it.
1: Well, well, I mean, I, one I don't know of if the it's big tied points. into it, but it's more like you know these historic events are have inspired the stories that are then used in the Bible, and I'm assuming in, in other religions too. The same thing happened, and so you want to go through what happened in the video?
0: Yeah, I, I was just gonna say that's kind of what I meant by it being tied to religion. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so this video, it's it's very quick. It's maybe like ten, fifteen seconds long, but it it you show it shows this man and this woman, and they're breaking into this what looks like a factory. This very high tech factory. Yep. Although they're they're naked, and um. They, they climb to the top of this, of this building and they're looking out over this like green luscious scenery and they, they ask if they, like, I think the man asks the woman if he has, if she has it and she pulls it out and then she turns around and says, Adam, and then he shouts Eve and then it cuts to black and that's it.
1: Yep. So my understanding is that what they're running through, right, it is a factory and it's the factory where they're making pieces of Eden.
0: Exactly, and, and so probably the- they
1: stole the apple, or that that piece of Eden that we refer to as the apple, from there. And because it grants them knowledge, like you can see how all of that inspired then the the story in the Bible. And it is so cool because uh, technically they're escaping, right? It, they're we we know from Minerva later depending on when you <laughs> find the glyphs right uh but you probably did it before you met up with minerva they you know they're they're slaves and they're trying to escape and and you can see, hear the desperation but you can also see like they are they're like fast and agile and, and moving so quickly and they, they they finally they seem to be free at the end and they're they've they've escaped they did it it's a pretty yeah. cool video i've seen it many many times
0: yeah it's 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 really exciting and i remember I, di- I didn't solve all of them my very first time playing through the game it was only after i played through it like a second or third time that i managed to decode all 20 and let me tell you they start off easy but they get freaking hard towards the end <laughs> and Yeah, I, I, re- I didn't
1: do it either it was it was so interesting because you see the clips and then it wasn't until years later that I actually saw the video. So wow. One oh hell of an goodness. Easter egg.
0: I, yeah, no, it's, it's really, oh, I remember watching it and it blew my mind. But those puzzles, man, I remember there was a time <laughs> I, was, I was playing the game. I had no internet at my house and I sat on a puzzle for three hours. I refused to continue on with the game until I solved the puzzle. And I didn't have access to the internet, so I couldn't look it up and, and cheat my way through it. I legitimately sat there and worked through this like ancient numbering system until I finally figured out what exactly it was that I was doing. And then I managed to decipher it, and it was probably the biggest victory I've ever had in my entire career of Assassin's Creed.
1: <laughs> oh, and, and the payoff is so good.
0: And it's also interesting to note that Uh, because of this video you now know that subject 16 is a direct is is a descendant of adam and eve because it says subject 16 but the era is classified so that Mm. means that means abstergo was able to tap into subject 16's memory into this time period they managed to go that far back into things or at least yeah subject sixteen himself was able to crack open more and synchronize with uh with you know his memories from that far back huh yeah, and yeah. probably discovering this was how Abstergo became so obsessed with trying to find these artifacts and and learn more about the ones who came before
1: that's a good point that's a really good point because yeah he's just uh, subject sixteen hid information that he found, right? That's not, this is different than us tapping into Desmond's ancestors. And and you're right. If, if he saw that, so since he hid it, do you think that Abstergo, well, I mean, they must have seen it too, right? While they were monitoring him.
0: No, that was the thing, because uh, oh. Lucy would state that they would leave him alone in there sometimes oh. for days at a time. Oh, you're
1: right, you're right. So
0: And and at the very beginning, when you find the first glyph, he even states, he's like, you know, I've split this into 20 pieces and locked each with a key because you can't be too careful because he doesn't want them to know.
1: Right, 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 right. Makes sense. Whew. And it, it
0: just so happens that him and Desmond happened to share Ezio as an ancestor. And I'm assuming that at that point Subject sixteen knew about that and that's exactly why he did this.
1: But, but but if they share Ezio as an ancestor, which you're right, then they also share Adam and Eve. Like there's Uh
0: Ezio could be from a different from like his mother's side or father's side, and Adam and Eve can be on the other parents. Cause we don't know who you exactly could, is what. That's right. Just, that's right that's you know, right. it's all about you know lineage, but we don't know Subject Sixteen's lineage. You're right. you right. Which side is what?
1: You're right. Could be. So, well, man, that's, it. that's that's the first part of the Ezio trilogy.
0: Yes, it is. It's Assassin's Creed Two. Yeah. Oh my goodness gracious me, man. That.
1: Whew. I mean, is there? Is there? Now, granted. I haven't at this point after this I, I kinda skipped around in the series and I will be playing uh for the first time the next couple of games uh, as we as we go through them versus like like I knew one and two, but uh is there a better like ending or or WTF moment at the end of of, of a game of any game as this? Like this has gotta be Ah, oh, it's so good.
0: <laughs> Wait, you've never played Brotherhood?
1: Never played it. Nope.
0: You've never haven't you've never seen any clips or videos of it? Nope. Then <laughs> just wait till the ending of Brotherhood, man. Oh man. <laughs> that is a big I remember playing through that my very first time and seeing the ending. That was the biggest WTF moment of my life! Whoa, I literally that's, sat that's there funny. dumbfounded. Okay,
1: okay, stop, 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 stop. That's just okay. That's a, that's a that's a good tease for the next few episodes. <laughs>
0: oh yes, it is. Yes, I, oh, I is. have.
1: The only thing that I have done is I went through all of Desmond's history around around the time when I played. It was probably Unity. I was really curious about how Desmond's story ended. And then I saw I kind of read through and saw all the all the clips of everything that happened with Desmond but I didn't I don't really remember. So
0: Yeah, once you play I'm through it man, you'll 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 see it and I can't wait to hear your reaction about it.
1: Ooh, cannot wait. Cannot wait.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, I think we've covered just about everything, and so I think that's going to end it for today. Alright, so this concludes today's lesson of the Codex. Uh, Hopefully you guys all enjoyed today's lesson. I know we sure did. So again, if you guys need any assistance about anything, feel free to put it out there on our forums at uh, forum.geektherapy.com. And if you want to chat with us, your fellow associates, or initiates, I should say, about Uh, Anything and everything related to Assassin's Creed, feel free to go to the Assassin's Creed channel on our Discord at geektherapy.com Discord. So, class is dismissed. We'll reconvene next time, and we'll be talking all about the lovely and amazing Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. So, take care, everybody, and remember, nothing is true, everything is permitted.